This week's adventure involves conversation about women's health care. The names of certain female body parts will be mentioned when necessary, but they will not be changed or censored. If discussion about the names and functions of lady parts will strike up a conversation that you are not ready to have, or if it will be NSFW, you may like to listen to this episode with headphones or save it for later. We're pregnant. Bro, do you even live? I can't eat another one bite. One is usually bigger than the other. That tastes awful. Won't hurt a Wait, bit. Why is it leaking? Did you that? That was not there yesterday. I'll have a second of it. totally my natural girl. Is that supposed to look like that? Don't worry. That was deadly. I'm Terrell. And I'm Iris. Welcome to Health Science for the Rest of Us, a podcast where we take a super practical look at the body its shenanigans, and the world of fascinating ways we try and keep it healthy. This definitely won't replace a trip to your doctor's office, but it may help you make heads or tails of how to live in your body better. More important than that, this podcast will help you look like a total badass at your next Facebook debate. You did it again. We can edit that later. Let's Let's do do this. this. Welcome back. It's good to be together again. How are you? How are things? Have you picked up your flint scratcher for the alien apocalypse yet? Have you told the other humans about the podcast yet? Save that for the end. Too soon? A little bit. Anyway, we hope you've been enjoying all of our hijinks so far. And we're really glad you're interested in this podcast. But for this week's adventure, we're actually going to be featuring someone else's, someone else's podcast. In a moment, for your listening pleasure, we're going to play an episode from a kick-ass podcast called The Vagabonds. The Vagabonds podcast is put on by two medical students making their way through training to become physicians who will specialize in women's health. These two future doctors have done some pretty sweet episodes, but the one we're featuring for this week's adventure is probably my personal favorite. It's called Welcome to the Vagina Jungle, and it's all about pelvic exams and pap smears and the differences between the two. This is your last chance to jump ship before Corbin and Katie start breaking out the good stuff. Enjoy! Shut up and sit down. Hello, and welcome to the Vagabonds Podcast. I'm Corbin. I'm Katie. And we're two best friends adventuring through lady stuff, one episode at a time. Woo! Disclaimer, this podcast does not give medical advice. It's for education only. If you have any questions, please talk to your doctor. All right, Corbs, today we're talking about women's health visits to your doctor. And Woo! What happens. So important. So we're talking about what's the difference between a pelvic exam and a pap smear. So... That's a great question. A lot of times when we ask people in clinic, we're like, when was your last pap smear? They're like, oh, I have one every year. But that's not right, is it, Corbs? It's not right. Unless you're going to a really mean doctor. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) 
So we're going to talk about the differences and when you should have them and all that good stuff. So first, should we start with the easy one, the pelvic exam? Hey, you know, it's nice to start at the ground floor. Yeah. So what's a pelvic exam, Corbs? Well, a pelvic exam is when... Uh, well, let's see. How technical do we want to get here? Well, so just to start, it's a, a pelvic exam is an exam just like any other, like, you know, a heart right. and lung exam. We're just looking at the structures. Yeah. Um, list, we don't listen, obviously, like you would to your heart. <laughs> That'd be weird. Can you imagine? I'm just like going through, I just like, got a steps. picture of Katie sticking her stethoscope <laughs> in someone's <laughs> That'd be weird. No, nope, not doing that. Nope. And, <laughs> and then we... <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> you should Ugh. try it next time we're in nope, clinic. Nope, not doing that. Nope, never. Anyway. Nope. There's um, nothing to listen to. There is nothing to listen to. Uh, so we started looking, and then also we are... Since we can't see your internal organs, like your ovaries, then we're also feeling for them to make sure that there's nothing weird going on. Yeah. So, so you try to feel, you know, for any bumps or lumps, mm-hmm. or you also try to so feel So should we just, like, start at the beginning of it, then? So yep. first thing we, you do is you look at the outside structure. So this is the vulva, the labia majora, labia minora, the clitoris, the perineum. So those are all parts, you know, between... Basically what you can see in a mirror yeah. if you look down there. Yep. And so we just look at those to see if the skin looks normal, if um, there's any, like, irritation, redness, uh, bumps, uh... Yeah. Red spot, you know, anything that's weird. And you yeah. should also, if you notice something like this and you're going to your doctor, you should tell them mm-hmm. so that they can take an extra look because sometimes, you know, if we're just, if there's something that you've noticed and maybe it like comes and goes or, you know, something like that, then you should tell because if it's not at there when they're looking, then they won't know to look at it, but they can, you know, if or you can point it out, it. yeah. Or if like any new moles, you know, anything like that, mm-hmm. you, you should tell your doctor about. While we're talking about looking... I would just like to say this is kind of something I truly believe is so I feel like a lot of people might be a little bit in bit you know like it's a normal mm-hmm. anxiety to like go in and like take your pants off and like have someone look down there because yep. it's a private part right like we learned that since we were a kid um but I want to reassure you that your vagina is normal yeah like, as weird I mean there's so many you know we don't expect every person to look the same right so why would we expect every vagina to look and vulva and that's the other thing so vulva is the outside that's what you can see the vagina is like the actual tube on the inside so people you know throw those words around a lot but that's what the actual what they actually mean another thing that corbs and i like to tell people is you can look at your vulva with a mirror and kind of like get to know what it looks like and that's the only way that you'll know if something changes so know what it looks like know what's normal for you and it's okay like that's okay that's something that's totally fine it's totally normal yeah. for people to do it's not weird don't feel weird about it yeah just try to get used to it and then yeah. yeah don't feel weird about it and if you have concerns talk to your doctor yeah and then like corbin was saying earlier none we don't feel weird about it at all anyone who does women's health care does not feel weird about looking and at vulvas or vaginas or anything like that it's how we make our living. It's really important to us that you are healthy. Um, and we um, think it's really important. So we're not weirded out at all. So you should try not to feel nervous or anything. We're not judging you. Don't yeah. worry. So then the next part is to look at kind of the internal, more internal structures. So this is, would be like your urethral opening, your vaginal opening, um, and your anal opening. So those are kind of, we're going to spread the labia minora and majora and just kind of look at those structures make sure the same thing that they don't look irritated or red um 
or have like abnormal discharge or anything like that yeah and then the next thing that happens is usually we use a speculum so that's the thing that kind of looks like a duck bill um that you can squeeze you know like open and close so they're either metal or plastic and they usually have either a light attached to them or there'll be a light like behind the head of the person who's doing it um and they'll put um like lubricant jelly on there and then slide it in to the vagina and then using that they'll look up at the cervix which is the very bottom part of the uterus um, and they'll look at that to see if it looks healthy, if there's any, you know, spots, anything that looks abnormal. Um, and then they'll also use it to look at the sides of the vagina. So when they take out the speculum, they're looking at the vaginal walls as it's they're coming down around it. Mm-hmm. Um, did I forget anything about that part? No. Um, something I think good to know is usually, I mean, I, I, you're probably going to talk about timing. The speculum, a lot of people associate a speculum with a pap smear, but Mm, mm -hmm. like we said, it's also involved in a pelvic exam. Yep. So unfortunately, if you think that you're getting out of a if you're getting out of a pelvic or a pap smear, if you're not having a pap smear, you might not be avoiding a speculum. A speculum. Yeah, is what I'm trying to say. Yep. So, um, we'll talk about pap smears later. I think we'll just keep everything separate. Yeah. So then. So that's what lets us look at your cervix, mm-hmm. and so that's really important. And then um, the other thing is a speculum shouldn't hurt. It should. It might be, like, uncomfortable, and it, it will be pressure, but it shouldn't be painful. If it's painful, you should tell the person who's doing your pelvic exam that because they might need to get a different size or a different shaped one, um, and that's something that they don't know unless they, you tell them. So, um, And the other thing is, like, trying to relax. I know it's, like, seems counterintuitive but relaxing as much as possible easy for you to say without a speculum in your i know i know but it really does make it less painful so then the next part is after they take a speculum out so then they're going to do what's called a bimanual exam so this is just two usually two fingers in the vagina and then they're going to kind of press on your stomach so like on your lower abdomen so this is to feel your uterus so your uterus should be small um so they're feeling for that there can a lot of times you can feel if it's kind of tipped towards the front or tipped towards the back and that doesn't mean anything it's just a fact like you have brown hair blonde hair like it's just a thing um it's not good or bad and then they also will kind of go out to the side and try to feel your ovaries so um usually you can't feel the ovaries in someone who doesn't have you know like a huge cyst or something so that's good if they can't feel anything that's usually a good sign um and so they're just trying to feel you know feel if they like feel any bumps or cysts or anything Mm -hmm. that's big or anything like that i would say 50 percent of all exams are just feeling for bumps yep (laughs) pretty much (laughs) (laughs) pretty much anyone can do it yeah it's true um and then sometimes you also have to have a rectal exam but that's not normal that's like more if they're looking for like a specific problem but it's not usually part of it so that's the exam and so that is something that you should do every year you should just have Mm -hmm. done every year Um, and that's according to the u.s preventative services task force Mm -hmm. of course cords is gonna make me say this like three times yep so that's the uspstf that's the what do you what do you call it the call letters no just kidding (laughs) um anyway so they recommend that every year um then a pap smear so cords what's a pap smear a pap smear is basically taking a sample of the cells on your cervix. Yep. So it's it's short for Papa Nicola. Yeah, Papa, you, the doctor. Yeah. Dr. Papa Nicolau. 
that's how yeah that's who invented it but obviously we say pap smear because it's way easier so, so you're not smearing your pap is what you're trying to tell me <laughs> that's what Corbs and i say all the time we're smearing your pap no it's not a body part no such it's a thing person. as a pap yep. apparently yep so this is so during the pelvic exam um when you have the speculum when you can see the cervix we take a brush or a you know anything to collect cells and you um kind of twist the brush on the opening around the opening of the cervix and so you're kind of brushing off the top layer of cells from the cervix and then also the just the inside of the opening in the cervix called the os so you're getting those cells and so then we put them in a liquid and then send them to pathology and the pathologist looks at them and um they can kind of tell if those cells look weird look normal um, if we need to do more testing and that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about, this is how you test for cervical cancer. And we're going to talk about cervical cancer on a later episode. This is more just about what happens, what actually happens. Um, and so pap smears, this is where the confusion comes in. So I looked up the actual guidelines from the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force. Um, and just a note on guidelines. There's a lot of different guidelines from a lot of different places. I like the USPSTF because... They kind of take more of a um, population view mm-hmm. of things. So, like, a cancer society is going to, you know, recommend more co- more frequent screening because they want to catch all the cancer that there is out there, period. Um, but the USPSTF is not, you know, it's, like, for the population. And so they take into account the cost and, you know, like, the cost of the healthcare system and the cost to like person and so they kind of try to, like, balance those two things together. Yeah. All that being said... Um your doctor, you know, is all aware of all the different mm-hmm. bodies of uh, the recommendation, the schedule, and they will recommend you, you know, what is right for you. Right. So these can be very individualized, mm-hmm. and so definitely talk to your doctor at the the screening guidelines for you. Yeah. Um, and they also, like, lots of doctors have different ones that they like better just based on, like, how they practice and the population that they practice in and all that stuff. So, um I mean, you can ask, feel free to ask them, like, you know, like what they recommend and all that good stuff. But this is just the one we picked for the purposes of this podcast. So from ages 21 to 30, you should have a pap smear every three years. So um, I've heard a lot, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you have to have a pap smear when you start being sexually active. Nope, not true. Um, Start when you're 21 and go till you're 30 every three years. And then when you turn 30, until um, you're 65, you can either keep having a pap every three years, and totally fine, or you can do a pap smear and HPV testing every five years. Mm-hmm. So HPV is the virus that causes cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you're in your 30s, um, they can just, it's the same test, like they do it all at once. So they take the smear with a brush, and then they take those cells and test them for HPV. Mm-hmm. And so... If you're, and this is all, all of these time periods are assuming that everything is negative. Yeah. So, like Katie said, there's a lot of different, it gets very complicated. Yeah. It's super complicated. And that's why it's important to like have a, I'm a broken record, um, to have established <laughs> a, you know, a gynecologist or, you know, a primary care provider who will give you what is yeah. right for you personally. Yeah. And like she said, make sure it's established. Like, try to, as much as you can, keep going back to the same person over and over again because, that way they have all your history, you know, all your history and all your knows what everything yeah. is going on. So the pap just collects cells. Yeah. From your cervix. Um, and then when you're 65, you don't need to have any more. 
And obviously there's like extenuating circumstances. Like if, you know, if you have a history of a weird one or something, then you might. But generally if from 21 to 65 is when you got to have them. So, yeah. So why do people hate pep smear so much? I think a lot of it has to do with the speculum exam. The speculum is uncomfortable. Yeah. It truly is. And sometimes if you use a metal one, it's cold too. A lot of people have warming drawers for it, but it can be cold and that sucks. I mean, it is, a, like, a foreign object being inserted, so it's... I mean, like I said earlier, it's inc- uncomfortable, for sure. Yeah, um, the pap... The brush itself can sometimes... For some people, they It makes their cervix kind of crampy. Yeah. Um, they get a cramping mm-hmm. sensation, which also isn't very comfortable. Yeah, because the uterus is really cool, and that's, like, the only muscle that, uh, contracts when you touch it, so, like, when you're delivering a baby, it's useful because it's contracting down... Um, and you can like kind of push on it to help it contract contract down more. And so, you know, your cervix is part of your uterus, and so we are like touching it, and it can yeah cause it to contract and kind of like period cramps. It's like the same sort of uh, feeling, kind of. Um, the other thing is like some people's cervixes are just more cervixes, cervixes. I don't know. We don't know the plural. Cervices. We should know that. Anyway, some people's cervixes. I mean, how often do you have to say cervixes? I say it a lot, actually. <laughs> some people's cervix is weird, more Katie. sensitive <laughs> than others. So, like, some people can have like no problem with a pelvic exam and a pap smear, and other people think that they're the worst thing in the world. And so. Um, it just kind of depends. I mean, that's another thing. Like, it just kind of depends who you are and mm-hmm. what your history is. Um, Probably, too. It has to do with, like, an invasion of privacy yeah. thing. I mean... It's, like, very emotional. Like, I don't like to go places and have my vagina examined. Yeah. Like, it's just... You know? Yeah. And the it's other like thing, a personal thing. Yeah. I like to keep my pants on in public places. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, if you have a really sensitive cervix, the speculum could kind of irritate it just because mm. it's, like you know going in and it's touch it's probably going to touch the cervix at some point yeah um the other thing like we were talking about it being an emotional experience some people um if you have like a history of like sexual abuse or domestic violence you know anything like that um you should tell your provider because we actually really care about knowing that about our patients because it can you know we can make sure to have either a um chaperone in the room with us so that everyone you know everyone feels comfortable and no funny business is going on and everyone's good or we can you know make sure that we like go extra slow um and make sure that everything you know you get used to everything um so just yeah talk to your doctor about that and make sure that like you both know what's going on and you both are like clear about the situation yeah um oh about the brush so the brush is really soft like if you feel it with your finger mm-hmm. it's super soft like it does not feel like if you did it on your skin it like wouldn't hurt at all you would be barely be able to feel it but it's just because your cervix is such a sensitive part of your body that it kind of can hurt sometimes that's like pretty much everything that happens during a pelvic exam and pap smear yeah two different things yep a lot of a lot of times we also as providers mess up though and call them the same thing too yeah but we try not to but yeah so um anything else course i think that's it all right sounds good yeah any feedback let us know let us know thanks for listening was that fun or what i don't know i don't have any of the vaginas whether or not you have any of the vaginas You can hear more about all sorts of women's health topics by listening to the rest of the Vagabonds podcast episodes. 
We think the easiest way to find them is to search for the Vagabonds podcast in your favorite podcast player. But you can also follow the Vagabonds podcast on Twitter or visit the Vagabonds website at thevagabondspodcast.blueberry.com. The blueberry part is spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Wherever you choose to enjoy the Vagabonds, we think you'll be happy with their show. And while you're at it, please also keep listening to ours. That's all for now. Stay tuned, everybody. Is it time now? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Please tell the other humans to listen to the show so I don't have to go back to my day job. That'll do, Siri. That'll do. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Health Science for the rest of us. If you like what you heard, be a pal and spread the love by sharing this podcast with a friend. If you're not sure how or if your friend just needs some help, you can both get some quick tips from our fun YouTube tutorial. Just tap on the link in the show notes from this episode. To learn more about the show in general or to see some pretty hilarious health memes and videos, stop by our website at healthscienceforeveryone.com. We're also on Facebook in the group section and on Twitter under the name Health Science Podcast. That's all one word. For a limited time, Health Science for the rest of us listeners can save 20% on all NZT products at my online store by entering the promo code DARK42TOWERBEAMSUNSHINESTRAIN. No, no, no. I told you we're not doing that. My apologies www.irisspecialtystoreforthingshumansbyclairhealth.com Iris! Sorry. I'm hitting the button now. Is that how my voice sounds?